March 1st. Welcome to March, home of what they call March Madness. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander here with me, and we've uh, got a lot to get to, including a look back at two Power 5 League titles that were secured Tuesday night. But first, trivia time, Matt Norlander. Can you tell me who leads the nation in top 50 RPI wins? There are three teams that have 10 each. That's the most in the country. Which three teams have 10 right now? Uh, That's a good question. Okay, Uh, 10 of them. I will say... Kansas? Incorrect. Kansas has seven. Wow. Uh, I will say Florida State. Incorrect. Florida State has nine. I will say... (laughs) I'll say Baylor. Incorrect. Baylor has nine. And there are three with ten? Yes. Um, I will say North Carolina. Wrong. North Carolina has nine. Dear Lord, Paris. There are... Oh, my gosh. Uh, you said top 50 wins. 10 top 50. Top 50 RPIs right now. Is one of them like really like I'd never guess what you think, or are they all re- relatively reasonable? I think one of them is one that most people won't guess, and it's the reason I brought it up. Okay. Um, I'm still I, – I still want a few more guesses here. Um, I'm trying to – Conjure this off okay, the top Okay, uh, there are three teams with nine. You've already named them. No, you've named two of them. Florida State, Baylor. There's one other with nine. There's no – none have eight. Eight's empty. There are three teams with seven. Kansas is one of them. And there are three teams with ten. You haven't named any of them yet. I know Gonzaga's not going to be one of them. I don't believe Villanova would be one of them. Am I wrong? Villanova has ten. Okay, wow. Okay. Uh, credit to the Big East. How about... Stay in that league if you want to get one of the other ones. Butler. Yeah, Butler has 10. Okay. Is Butler the one you think people wouldn't have guessed? Nope, it's the other one. Okay. Uh, my, I wonder if... I don't think this is the answer, but because they played last night, is the other one Purdue? It's not Purdue. Purdue doesn't okay. even have seven. Okay. Didn't think they would. Um... Uh, is the team from a traditional Power 6 conference? Yes. Team also played last night. Team also played last night. Uh, Kentucky? Kentucky's got seven. I didn't think they had ten. Um, let's see. I was admittedly buried in a story last night. Uh, oh, Parrish. I love this. You have truly stumped me. Uh, I wonder if anyone listening is pretty keen on who this would be. Um, you, want a hint that you, you want a hint that I'll let you get it right? Okay, go ahead. They were the preseason number one team. Duke does have ten. Okay, Duke. how about that? How about that? No, but this is a this is a factual statement right now. Wow. No team in the country has more top fifty RPI wins than Duke. Wow. That, that doesn't match up with the perception of Duke at all, does it? It does not. It does not, because um, they got seven losses. Wow, interesting. So they got their tenth last night over Florida State. They're twenty-three and seven overall. They got ten top fifty RPI wins, five top twenty-five RPI wins, and then five more uh, between twenty-six and fifty. Um, and they're doing this even though only two players have appeared in all thirty games. Huh. 
Like, I just think I mean, it's that, interesting because people, yeah. like, are big clowning Duke. And every time you mention that, hey, you know what, Duke ain't really that bad. Like, people sort of roll their eyes. But no team in the country has got more top 50 wins right now than, than the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, that could serve them really well, especially if they can, uh, you know, if they can go deep into the ACC tournament, that might wind up getting Duke to have a higher seed than people might expect. And then <laughs> and then some people might lose their minds. Um because if they don't get the auto bid, they're going to have eight losses, maybe nine. They're probably probably end with nine, to be honest. Because I think they'll lose a Carolina on Saturday in the finale, and then um, maybe get picked off in the league tournament, or maybe not. Maybe they win it. But uh, intriguing that is. Yeah, and they get they get the good win um, last night, close game. Florida State's a good team, obviously. And now, I mean, Frank Jackson, I know played pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean. I, We've reached a point here with Duke where it's like, you know, they've had, they've had some bad losses. They can beat just about anyone as well. So uh, it's just a matter of if they're going to be able to consistently put together a number of really good wins. Um, I mean, what do you think about the way they played last night? And are you in on Duke still as a – because of those wins that they have, GP, like would you put Duke on your three most likely teams you'd pick to win a title right now? I don't know if I'd put them on the three most likely, but certainly they, you know, there's a, there's a handful of teams that got a shot and they, they obviously have a shot. I don't like the fact that they don't have a, a you know, natural point guard, a traditional point guard. Um, you know, if you look back at recent national champions, almost all of them had a really strong player at that position. And I know you can call Grayson Allen a strong player at that position, but uh, ideally he would not be playing point guard uh, for this team, but but can they win the whole thing? Of course they can. Again, right now, um, they they put together this resume despite, like I said, only two players, Luke Kennard and Matt Jones, appearing in all 30 games. Harry Giles has missed 11, Jason Tatum's missed eight, Grayson Allen's missed three, Emil Jefferson's missed two, and then of course Shashevsky uh, missed uh, seven games in January because of back surgery. And like I said, they're still 23 and seven, five top 25 RPI wins, 10 top 50 RPI wins. And you say they've had a bunch of bad losses, and like, I hear you, only two sub-40 RPI losses on the resume. Yeah, losing at home to NC State's not. I mean, that was just terrible, right. I mean, that was just, oh, I don't even, like, you could play that game a million more times. I don't think that would ever happen again. That's that's the one really bad one in right. particular. And right. then the Virginia Tech loss, which isn't even a bad one because Tech's going to get to the tournament. Uh, Grayson Allen wasn't even in that game. But that was, a they they were like, run out of the gym in that game but i know what you're saying they just they've compiled a lot of losses here right uh, but then again so have a lot of other teams i just think we're gonna have a situation where uh you know to say this for the third or fourth time in the podcast in the past month you're just gonna have teams of seven eight nine losses that are on the uh two three four line it's just gonna it's an inevitability this season uh, right now in terms of top 50 rpi wins uh 10 each for duke villanova butler nine each for florida state baylor north carolina nobody has eight Seven each for Kansas, Kentucky, and I don't think you would ever guess this other one. Right now, there's ever one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. When you look at, I got nine teams here that have at least yeah. seven top fifty RPI wins. The the one that we haven't named is like top nine in terms of top, by definition. They're top nine, top fifty RPI wins right now at this moment. Um. From a uh, traditional power six yes. or yes, okay. How about Oklahoma State? Nope. Okay. If they've got that many, they have to be in the field. Um, I would think. You said it's seven of them, GP. Seven. 
And it's really hard to guess, huh? Yeah, I'll just tell you because you won't. You will not get it. Give me one more guess. Give me one more guess. Here. Okay. Um. Traditional power six. I will not get it. How about Minnesota? It is Minnesota. Oh, look at that. It is Minnesota. From way downtown. Bang. Minnesota. It's only, bang. It's only one top 25 RPI win and six top 50s. Uh, but it is still seven top, you know, six between 26 and 50, I should say. But it is seven top 50 RPI wins. Minnesota right now ranks in the top 10 in the country in top 50 RPI wins. So, uh, I mean, that's a pretty amazing job from from Richard Patino, right? I just thought it was interesting that all like you hear all the conversations about Duke that take place, and yet they are sitting here on March first with as many top fifty RPI wins as anybody else in the country, anybody else in the country. And I I, I, I don't know what it means any more than that's what it means. They just they they they're not nearly having the the terrible season that's a disappointing season that so many people think. It's only disappointing relative to the um, ridiculous. And let me let me rephrase. It weren't ridiculous preseason standards. They were reasonable preseason standards. Um, they were based on Harry Giles being awesome and and whatever. Um, he hasn't been that, and they haven't been what they were supposed to be. But they're still good. If you can just scrap, you know, they're still a legitimate top. I think 11, 12, 13 team in the country, and they are uh, tied with Villanova and Butler for for most top fifty wins in the country right now. Yeah. And real quick on Minnesota, they ran the table in February. They had that big losing streak to start uh, January, basically, but they have not lost since. And they get Nebraska at home on Thursday. We'll probably win that. And then a tricky one at Wisconsin this weekend. Sunday marks the official end of college basketball's regular season. But Minnesota, with those wins, if they just they don't skid out, they don't listen to Nebraska, if they don't drop their first Big Ten game because of that, I mean, they could wind up on the six line there. I think that's entirely possible. Um, good stats. I love it, GP. Love it. Uh, let me tell you about SeatGeek real quick. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long, long time. It's not anymore uh, because you're using SeatGeek and you're using the College BB promo code. That's promo code College BB. Here's what you're going to do: download the SeatGeek app, purchase tickets, use the promo code College BB, and SeatGeek's going to send you twenty dollars after you've made your first ticket purchase. It is the easiest ticket site out there, and here's why. Uh, you know, if, uh, once upon a time, you'd have to check you know, this site, that site, this site, that site, compare prices, you know, pray that you're not getting ripped off. You don't have to do any of that anymore. You just go to SeatGeek. They handle price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites for you. It's going to ensure that you get the best possible deal. In other words, uh, SeatGeek is going to do all the work. You get to save time. You get to save money. So uh, whether you're going to the website, SeatGeek.com, or downloading the app, just do one of the two. Do both. Uh, then purchase tickets. Use the uh, promo code COLLEGEBB, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, promo code is COLLEGEBB. That's SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. So last night, Kentucky secured uh, at least a share of the SEC title. Purdue secured at least a share of the Big Ten title. Let's take them one by one in that order. Is it more concerning? that Kentucky had to rally from 19 down at home to beat Vanderbilt, or more impressive, that Kentucky could rally from 19 down at home to beat Vanderbilt? Uh, I would lean concerning. That was the largest deficit Kentucky had faced at home in a really long time. Uh, and to get the win is uh, a killer for Vanderbilt's at large hopes. If Vandy had actually managed to get that, they would have uh, slipped right onto the bubble there. 
Um, now, Kentucky went Kentucky, and, and I know Monk had some good moments near the end there. To get that, okay, yeah, I mean, if you want to say that Kentucky now has a certain level of confidence that it can come back from many a team and that Monk can be the guy to do that because, you know, he had a couple of huge plays. Briscoe had that big putback on a Monk drive. Um, I understand that, but you you obviously cannot you cannot make a habit of this. Right. Uh, you will get burned and you will get knocked out of the tournament. Like if if you're facing in the second round, even let's just let's just place Kentucky on the three line, okay? And you know you're facing a six. I mean, it's unlikely that you'll be able to afford to be down 15 points with 12 minutes to go and are going to be able to come back. Not that it's impossible. It's just not likely. So that would be a little more concerning to me. I will say that it was, you know, sometimes senior nights can just have these weird effects on these teams because they they can be emotional nights. Derek Willis proposes to his girlfriend. What's with these uh, Colin Hartman to this at Indiana, by the way, as well. Like what's with these dudes wanting to get married at 21? I don't get this. Well, that's right. the thing. Like what, like, what are you doing? Like, now, what, I, what I, I, well, listen, I got married young and, and uh, my wife was young, uh, but <laughs> you're like, I speak from experience, man. <laughs> what are you guys doing? No, listen, I, uh, best day of my life, best decision I ever made. But in all seriousness, you don't know who you are when you're that age. And, and and your spouse doesn't know who she is at that age. You just don't like like I'm not saying it can't work. It can work. Obviously, it can. But like I don't think you really start to know who you are till you approach or or in your 30s. Like you don't have any at the age of 22, 23 years old. You don't know who you want to spend the rest of your life with. You don't even know what matters to you in life yet. With that said, congrats to Derek Willis. Yeah, congrats, congrats to Derek Willis. <laughs> Nothing but happiness to come. <laughs> I'm sure it'll go beautifully. Yeah, but hey, listen. Uh, Do you disagree? A, a great, Do you disagree? No, I don't disagree. You don't know and who I you was, are. I was no, I I said from the time I was fifteen that I didn't want to get married before I was thirty, and I did not. Um, enjoyed my twenties, and yeah, but listen, and the, you want to get married, knock yourself out. Um, this is apparently becoming a thing, though. For dudes proposing on their senior nights yeah, the, uh, to, to their you know girlfriends, it's. Uh, the, Love but, is in the air, I guess. But in, so. in all seriousness, this is in all seriousness, like um, the the positive, the pro to getting uh, married early, getting married young, is that you can get onto your second wife while you're still young too. That's listen, we said that to Jeff Borzello, yeah. and it, there's there's definitely something to be said for that. Right, and uh, you can hit that midlife crisis early. Uh, be sure to go strong into your second act. <laughs> A lot of things to be positive and uh, optimistic about. Sure. But the point I was making in general was. These senior nights can sometimes just get away from you, just in terms of the emotion. Um, there's, it seems like it, it's not, you know, an overwhelming trend, but there are definitely like times where like these teams will have these big senior night moments, and then oh by the way they lose, or like, you know, the NBA champs uh, or the pro, the uh, Super Bowl champs have these big moments to put up the banner, celebrate the ring, whatever, and then they go on to lose. So sometimes it just seems like. There's so much behind these games heading into them that maybe you know you can just be uh, a little off just because of all the things surrounding it, and so that might have been a factor for Kentucky there. They were able to rally. Um, it, I just I I, I maintain that you know Monk and Fo- Fox wasn't good. That was also an issue. He was uh, I think Farnham said near the end of the game that he's just been you know way too careless, oddly careless uh, with the ball overall. Um, but if Bam can still play well. They'll still have a good chance, but no, I I would lean toward having 
a little bit of concern there. Uh, Vanderbilt's not good enough for it should be up by 19 in Rupp. I agree completely. Like it's, it was awesome to watch them come back and, and to, to see Malik go big again in the second half. I guess he had 30 in the second half against Florida over the weekend and put 20 in the second half against, um, or maybe more than that, but it was like a big number again in the second half last night against Vanderbilt. Like, uh, that's fine, but like, that's not the way you, like, he won't be able to put a cape on every time. And, you know, falling behind by double digits at home to Florida, then falling behind by double digits at home, like like 19 points at home to Vanderbilt, like that's not a good trend. And so the, the idea that they got out of them both times, those holes, like uh, impressive, In, independent of everything else, impressive. Um, but you're exactly right. Like you dig a hole like that in the second round, NCAA tournament against a quality team, you might not get out of it. You do it in the Sweet 16 against an even better team, uh, you might not get out of it. You just don't want to play like that in a single elimination uh, tournament. It is, uh, it's impressive that they are capable of overcoming basically anything it appears uh, like. But you try to do that um, you know, multiple times in an NCAA tournament, you're going to look up and you're going to run out of time at some point. And then your season's over and it falls well short of, of expectations. So I'm with you. I think probably more concerning watching them fall into the 19-point uh, hole than it was impressive watching them climb out of it. Uh, but either way, uh, SEC champions for the third consecutive year. Meantime, uh, Purdue beat Indiana, secured at least a share of its 23rd Big Ten title. Caleb Swanigan got his 12th 2010 game and 24th double-double of the season. We know Purdue is Big Ten champions now. Are you convinced Purdue is also the best team in the Big Ten? I'm pretty sure most people are convinced that Purdue is the best team in the Big Ten because yeah. Wisconsin, you know, listen, listen at, Wisconsin has not been able to Play as well. Maryland obviously has slipped um, with Purdue having the you know the lead, a one-game lead. Uh, yeah, I believe that, and I I kind of have believed it for well over a month now. Um, granted, it was it was a close race, and at one point, uh, you know, Wisconsin did have the edge, but Purdue seems like the team that is most well built in terms of. Having a player of the year candidate, uh, listen, Vincent Edwards is a really good player that doesn't get enough pub. The backcourt is solid. Um, they've got ability to shoot. So I, my overview of Purdue is a lot of people know about Swanigan. He's having an awesome year. Will be a first-team All-American. Don't quite realize how well-rounded Purdue is. And actually, I think Purdue is equipped enough to make a final four run i don't think i would put them there or predict them to get there but i would i would rank them among a top 15 candidate now maybe that's an indictment on the big 10 that i don't even think i would put wisconsin in there and i wouldn't put any other team from the league in there um but i think for a lot of people purdue is just seen as like okay the best team in a big 10 that's really not that great overall um you know, Purdue's not an inherently sexy program, so to speak. And so they see they've got Swanigan. Okay, maybe they'll get to the Sweet 16 and that's it. Um, I think Purdue will probably end up with a four seed. What will be interesting is if they don't win the Big Ten tournament title, um, whether that does or doesn't matter, I don't know. Uh, traditionally, because of the Big Ten tournament getting played so close to the reveal of the bracket, even though the committee has contingency brackets, GP, oftentimes the winner of that tournament just it doesn't really matter it doesn't has matter. no impact on the seating whatsoever um so the point i'm getting at here is if purdue merely makes it to sunday their seat will probably be locked in and if they do make it to sunday uh in the big 10 final 
I would project they'll get a four. Anything less than that, then yeah, the, we could have a situation where the best team out of the Big Ten is a five seed, and uh, that's got to be unprecedented. It seems like I'm the only one still in the Caleb Swanigan for National Player of the Year campaign. Everybody else is basically uh, giving it to Frank Mason already. Am I am I just being stupid here? Like I look at Swanigan. 12 2010 games, 24 double-doubles for a Big Ten champion. And I know the Big Ten's not the ACC or the Big 12. It's still a top-four league, according to Ken Palm. Like, um, our buddy Rob Doster, he wrote in his Player of the Year rankings this week that he just couldn't give Player of the Year to somebody from the Big Ten. You know, the, 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 the suggestion being, like, it's just, like, the league's not good enough. Well, like, Denzel Valentine was everybody's, was a lot of people's Player of the Year last year. You know where Big Ten ranked in Ken Palm last year? Fifth. Fifth-best league. This year's fourth-best league. What's the price? Why? Am I crazy to, keep, yeah. to hang on with Swanigan? No, no. In fact, I think it's good to have a little bit of debate and, and difference. I would probably lean Mason, but yeah. I actually I actually like the Swanigan pick in part because there really hasn't been a player like him uh, in college basketball as of late. Um, and he's not just a true back-to-the-basket big. Steps out, shoots threes, shoots him well, does a lot for that team. Uh, and he's not a ha- he doesn't have to do everything, but he is... He's just so damn reliable. I mean, every single game, it's a double-double practically. And uh, he, I had written about this earlier in the season, but you know, the numbers that he's putting up um, in terms of double-doubles and big-time games, you know, 20-20 games, 30-20 games, all that stuff, has not been seen in a long, long time. So I'm fine with it, especially if, if, uh, if Purdue can go on the road and, and steal it against Northwestern. I do think if they lose, he's probably got no shot because, um, you know, Mason's pretty comfortable right now, I, but I, I think I would go, I think I would have Swanigan ahead of Hart at this point. So I'd go Mason, Swanigan, and that's pretty much it because Hart would be a little behind, Ball would be a little bit behind, but uh, no, man. I don't think you're on an island either, I do, but I do think that, yeah, the majority has Mason at this point. Yeah, and I got, like, let me be clear, I don't have an issue with somebody going with Frank Mason. Like, I'm not going to write the columns saying, are you people blind? How could you vote Frank Mason National Player of the Year? Like, he's perfectly deserving. And if he wins all of the awards, then uh, I'll, I'll say, yeah, that makes sense to me. I just, uh, I, to me, when I look at who has been the most awesome college basketball player this year, like, Frank Mason's been really, really good. Great. He's been great. The most awesome, consistently awesome player. I think it's been Caleb Swanigan. And so right now, if we had to announce it today, the CBS Sports Devin Downey National Player of the Year Award would go to Caleb Swanigan, nice. I think. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to uh, Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry Teagle. Somebody tweeted us, told us Terry Teagle got a shout-out during the Baylor-West Virginia game on Monday night. <laughs> no, we were sitting there eating sushi before Run the Jewels. RTJ. <laughs> so we so we didn't, we didn't hear the Terry Teagle shout-out, but... Uh, Anything we can do. Can we get a Calvin Nat shout out from any national broadcaster this weekend? Somebody can we get some Calvin Nat love. Somebody shout out Calvin Nat with Terry Teagle and Devin Downey. And any broadcaster that can get all three in the same broadcast? Oh, boy. You'll get a shout out on the Ion College Basketball podcast. Uh, 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 I promise. Uh, let's, okay. uh, let's look ahead there to tonight's games. There are no games uh, featuring a ranked opponent against a ranked opponent. Uh, but VCU Dayton is a chance for Dayton to secure the outright A-10 title. Dayton's a five-point favorite. Dayton knocks us out at home, right? They uh, Whether they cover or not, they're going to win the outright A-10 title tonight, right? Yeah, this is biggest game of the year in the league, in my opinion. Um, oh, you can time. watch it. You can watch it on CBS Sports Network. There you go. Um, D- 
Dayton locks up a bit. Dayton's going to get in, but um, a win here is a lock for Dayton, in my opinion. VCU could really use it um, because the Rams were unable to beat the Rams on Saturday. They went to Rhode Island and they fell uh, by 10 here. So they get they get you know kind of a, a tough back-to-back road situation to close out their season. Um, and if VCU can, if they can steal this, uh, would be mammoth to sweep Dayton, which is in a better position in terms of overall standing among at-large candidates. So it's an intriguing game. Uh, I think both teams, I would prefer if both teams were in the field because I think they're good enough um, overall. But it, what, what might not end up happening here, Parrish, is, is you know, Dayton wins at home. They split the season series. Maybe they both wind up getting to the A-10 final, although the A-10 is a quirky tournament. You know, that's actually not in Brooklyn this year. It had been in Brooklyn the past three years, and I'd gone every year. And um, just a, a tournament that usually gets one team you don't expect into the semis, maybe one team you don't expect into the final. Occasionally, every blue moon, uh, a team comes in and swoops in and, and takes the auto bid that you don't you don't see coming, period. Um, but maybe this year it's, it's, you know, it's Dayton and VCU kind of separated themselves from the rest of the league and they'll wind up playing in the tournament final. But I wouldn't count out Rhode Island. Rhode Island's actually in the field as of this recording, I believe, according to Palm. He would put him in. I think that's a decent call, but Rhode Island needs to dodge. Um, they play at St. Joe's on Wednesday. you got to win that game. Um, they don't really have a lot of, of wiggle room. So to me, Rhode Island, which is the third at-large candidate out of the conference, win at St. Joe's, beat Davidson on your home floor on Saturday, win a win an A-10 tournament game. Hopefully that will be enough. Key to, key to note that Rhode Island has a, um, a big-time win over Cincinnati uh, that they've kind of been you know clinging to. That's that's really the, the, the one win in their non-conference that they can uh, kind of hold up. Um, and it's better than a lot of other teams that might be in similar spots because VCU, their best non-conference win is over Middle Tennessee. I've actually got a piece on Middle Tennessee that should be up by the time you listen to this podcast. Um, the Blue Raiders, who, of course, won last year in the tournament over Michigan State, if uh, I basically start the piece, Parish, by saying, listen, my colleague Gary Parish wrote a great piece on Wichita State last week. He made the case that they should be in kind of no matter what. That's a good way to start any column, I think. Of course. And if you believe that, then Middle Tennessee should be kind of right behind them, but they just haven't had nearly the amount of pub. Um, but their non-conference is kind of it's, – it's better than Wichita State's. You know, they've got, they've got a road win – uh, against Belmont, it's the only loss of the year. They killed Vanderbilt by almost, you know, 30 points, more than 30 points. Uh, that's a big win as well. They won at Ole Miss, uh, so we'll be interesting to see what Middle Tennessee, how it's handled, because it's going to finish the regular season 27 and four. It's going to kill its opponents this week. So anyway, that's a long way of answering your uh, question about VCU Dayton. I will make time to to watch that one tonight. It's a big one for that league, and give me Dayton to hold court on its home floor yeah i think dayton wins because the game is being played in dayton and then that uh, it's going to be an outright a10 title I, ultimately i think the a10 gets three teams in uh dayton vcu and rhode island and just on middle tennessee state i feel the same way i feel about uh I, 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 wichita state middle tennessee state illinois state i want them all in like i i i, I got no interest in watching mediocre power five schools who we know we know exactly what they are they're teams that if you give them 10 opportunities to record quality wins, they can get three of them or two of them. And so we say, hey, they got two or three top 50 wins. That's better than these other schools, more than Wichita State. Like, whatever. Those teams are garbage. They're not going anywhere. I would much rather see an interesting Middle Tennessee team, interesting Wichita State team, interesting Illinois State uh, team. Because the 
the truth is with college basketball, uh, those teams get so few opportunities to prove themselves against quality opposition, uh, uh, quality uh, opposition in in uh, January, February, and early March that we don't like. You can't gauge how good they actually are. You don't know. It's a little bit of a question mark. Like I, uh, you know, all of the advanced metrics love Wichita State. Like top ten in Ken Palm, thirteenth in Sagarin. The idea that that team you leave them out of the NCAA tournament. To put some uh, mediocre 500 team from, uh, you know, the uh, Power Five league in, like, wh- wh- like, why? And like, I, I understand it's a flawed system, but like, um, you know, I was talking to Jay Billis the other day, and and he used this phrase, and I tend to agree. Like, tie goes to the runner, and let the runner be Middle Tennessee, let the runner be Wichita State, let the runner be Illinois State. It's just, um, if you play in one of those Power Five leagues, and 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 you just sort of like whatever. But you got four top 50 wins because you got a million opportunities to do it. Like, we know what you are. You're somebody that is going to lose way more often than not when you play quality opponents. Um, that's how you ended up in the spot that you were in to begin with. I'd much rather see uh, the unknown of a Wichita State, the unknown of an Illinois State, the unknown of a Middle Tennessee. So um, I don't know if they'll all get in, uh, but I hope they all get in. Real quick, uh, bubble games tonight, Michigan at Northwestern, Kansas State, TCU, Michigan State, Illinois, Marquette, Xavier. Which one interests you most? Oh, uh, probably Marquette, Xavier. Michigan Northwestern is like a fringe bubble game because Northwestern's a you know officially a lock if it wins. Michigan's I think officially a lock if it wins. Yeah. Uh, I, right? I mean, you agree? I yeah, mean, I think they're both in. Winner of that one's probably safe. I think they got to be safe, safe. Like can lose the finale and lose a Big Ten tournament game immediately. I would think either way, either of those teams. They're going to be okay. Um, Northwestern, you kind of watch just to see if they can kind of wrap it up. They got the game on their home floor, and then they got Purdue coming. So Northwestern just needs to split its next two on its home floor. Should be able to do that. Marquette Xavier, man, you know Xavier was a top 15 team coming into the season. We might, I think we had a top 10 GP. Um, now they don't have Edmund Sumner. Blewett has uh, not been healthy completely as of late, but they are just on. They're on a skid. I don't remember how many years, but they've lost five in a row. And someone had said after that loss against Butler on Sunday, which Xavier took at home, um, I think it's been like more than 30 years since the program's lost five straight games. Um, you got to get right here. Um, I think I believe, and I've, I've not yet kind of written out or typed out in order of at-large teams and, and how I would rank them, so to speak. But if Marquette wins this game, uh, I've got to believe that these teams would flip in the at-large order. Um, Marquette went on a win over Villanova, road win against a sweep of Xavier. Wait, cause, yeah, because they beat Xavier like not even two two weeks ago, I think. I want to say I remember that. Um, that, I think, would be enough to put Marquette into the mix here. And Xavier, which has just watched its seed slip game by game i think it uh, uh if it were to lose a six in a row i mean it would it would need a, a deep run into the Big East tournament to probably save itself because remember i harped on this earlier in the season uh xavier's on conference performance unfortunately didn't afford itself a lot to boast about i mean it defeated clemson that's not an ncaa tournament team it defeated utah and the Utes are far from being NCAA tournament quality, in my opinion. They've they've taken on too many uh, losses, and really are they have Utah only has 16 wins in Division One this season. They opened the season with two teams outside the D1 ranks. So 
it's the most critical and urgent game of the night GP, I think. So Xavier hosting Marquette is the one that I would lean to. Yeah, I mean, and it is a massive game for Xavier because, you know, at some point the committee goes, okay, fine. Yeah, you were safely in the field when you had Edmund Sumner. You don't have him anymore, and now you've lost six straight games if they lose tonight. Like, you can really um, – that could be a team that, you know, goes from being in the top 25 in February to being – out of the NCAA tournament in March. And so, yeah, they got to get right tonight. Uh, they get Marquette at home, and then, of course, they got to go to DePaul. Uh, so they could reasonably uh, finish the regular season with a 10-8 and eight, uh, Big East record, but I would advise them to do that or else, um, yeah, they might go into the A-10 tournament, or the Big East tournament, rather, uh, with a little bit of uh, uh, work to do. Remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the uh, best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will uh, talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care.